for a lot of us, it's kind of good to be done with 2016. Uh, 2016 was one of those years that was one of those years. <laughs> we had a lot of things that didn't quite work right in 2016. If you're a Golden State fan, you were up 3-1 until you realized Jesus chose LeBron to bring joy to me. <laughs> we had the Summer Olympics, and the American goalie, every time she did a big kick, Hope Solo, every time she did a big kick, the Brazilian fans chanted Zika. They, chant, they chose Zika over our women's soccer team, the Zika virus. You know you're having a rough year when you're second place to a virus. <laughs> we had an election, and that's all I'm saying about that. <laughs> I've got jokes for days, and none of them are coming out here because I want to be friends when we go home. We had, uh, there was a lot of loss this year, famous people who have passed away. There was a lot of things this year that we just kind of would like to wrap up and leave and turn around and start a new year and start something new with some expectations and some hope that things won't be as rough as it was. This, I think, actually gives us some insight into what actually happened in the Christmas story. If you don't know the story real well, Jesus was uh, born uh, to a woman or a, a, a girl. She was probably late junior high age. And just culturally, that's the age she would have been. And she, as a virgin, gave birth to Jesus. She was minding her own business, and an angel showed up one day and said, you're going to give birth uh, to the, the Messiah to the Son of God. Um, and then Mary, she left and went to visit a relative of hers. And she was very excited about this in the way that junior hires who don't think about what's going to happen as the consequences of the, of the things that are going on right now, the way they get excited. Mary eventually would have had to have a conversation with her parents. And the parents would have went, like any good dad, all right, what boy? Just point, just point. That's all. Just point in the direction, and I will, I will take care of this. And Mary tells her parents, there is no man. It's the Holy Spirit. And so Mary was not only uh, pregnant as an unwed woman in that culture, which that culture, so you know, uh, it, wasn't, it was illegal to practice the Jewish punishments that were dictated in the Old Testament because the Romans ruled the world. But if you were engaged to be married, as Mary was, and you became pregnant, uh, out of wedlock, that was punishable by death. But they weren't allowed to practice that at the time, so she was kind of saved from that. But she not only was culturally ostracized now, her parents would have seen her as totally nutty. As you would if your daughter came home and said, there was no man, it was the Holy Spirit. And then... The husband to which she was supposed to be married, he had in mind to just divorce her quietly because in their day, engagement was binding and needed a divorce. And so she was going to be a divorced young single mom who had never been married to begin with, whose baby daddy was the Holy Spirit. And you had a bad year. And so did Mary. 
And you thought your year couldn't get worse. And so did Mary. But then that fall, the Roman governor decided there was going to be a census and everybody had to go back to their home, back to their, their family's origin. And so Joseph was from another town, not where they were, another town called Bethlehem. And so Mary, extremely pregnant, and if you, I say extremely pregnant, but I think all like past two weeks feels like extremely pregnant. That's, I've never been pregnant, but that's the level of complaining I've heard. <laughs> I'm not making political jokes though, so. But when Mary rides on a donkey down the road, up the mountains, down the mountains, back to Bethlehem, extremely pregnant. Pregnant to the point that when they got there, they looked for a place to stay. And because of the census, and Bethlehem was a small town, there was nowhere to stay. And so they stayed, the, the Bible teaches, the way that, and the way the culture was, they stayed in with the equivalent to what we would say is a garage. They were like, we don't have a room, but you can stay where the animals stay. We'll keep the animals outside overnight. It's not that bad. And Mary gives birth in this garage and wraps her firstborn son in some cloths that are laying around and his crib is a manger or a feeding trough where the animals would have ate. Jesus. Mary's having a bad year. She did not put manger on her registry. She did not think, I sure hope I have a baby in a garage. But this is what happens. And you think you're having a bad year. Mary's year, she had a baby. And then her first guests are a bunch of shepherds from up in the hills. The first guests, the first people to visit Jesus are these shepherds who are up in the hills minding their flocks. And angels show up and tell them, hey, there's a Messiah being born and you will find it. And here's the sign. It's a baby wrapped in cloths and laying in a manger. Like, nobody would think, hey, which baby is this? Oh, it's the baby in the feeding trough. That's the baby we're here to see. You go in to see the babies in the nice cribs, in the clean, sterile environment. But when the shepherds come to visit, I want to read this story to you. Right out of the Bible, it'll be on the screen for you. So they, the shepherds, so the shepherds hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him... They spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But, and pay attention to this, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned. They went back up to the hills, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Mary has an angel who shows up and tells her, you're going to give birth to the Son of God who will save people. And then Joseph has a dream where he's told by God that Mary's going to give birth to the Son of God who will save people from their sins. And so they have this kind of thing going on, this unexpected thing. We're going to give birth to a child who will save people from their sins. Mary actually has a whole, when she goes and visits her relative Elizabeth, she has this whole uh, conversation that's recorded as a poem in the Bible. But she talks about that when my son is born, the people who are stuck in the mud will be pulled out. The people who are 
oppressing the poor will be overthrown and the poor will be lifted up. Those who are in power and using it ruthlessly will be knocked over and those who have been taken advantage of will be saved by my son. In all of this, Mary is still thinking with a junior high mentality brain. And I don't know, there's like a special amen. I have a junior higher now. And there's a special amen that I don't operate with a junior high brain anymore. I can function significantly better in the world now that my brain works. Well, almost, right? But there is this, Mary is experiencing all of this stuff completely unequipped, completely strange to her. People don't have these kinds of experiences. She's had a year that she hopes to forget. And then there's this little verse when the shepherds come to visit her and the shepherds leave and it says, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The way the Bible reads, the Bible's a translation obviously from different languages and the way the Bible reads, what they're trying to say and use it like to treasure something up in your heart and ponder it in your heart, what they're saying is Mary's putting things together. All the things that have been said All the things that she's heard have been put together in her mind and she's starting to realize what's happening. She's starting to realize that she just gave birth to Jesus, who they call the Messiah, who they call the Christ, who has come to save mankind from their sin. And not just so you know, Mary and Joseph were Jewish people and they had a temple and they had a very good system for being saved from their sin already. It was a sacrificial system you can read about in the Old Testament and they would do these things to be saved from their sin. But what the sacrificial system never did was save them actually from the power of sin. It never saved them uh, from the power that sin has over humanity. And Jesus came not just to save us from sin but to save us from the power of sin. As a side note, not always to save you from the consequences of sin. When you sin, there are consequences. And Jesus doesn't always save you from the consequences of your sin. There are effects amongst your relationships and in your own life. And Jesus didn't come to make those just magically disappear. But the power that sin has is no longer because Jesus was born. Because Jesus was born king of the world in order to serve the world. And Jesus being born enters into the worst year ever in the most vulnerable way possible. If you've seen a baby at birth, there isn't a more vulnerable state of humanity in existence. You're completely and utterly dependent on others. God was completely and utterly dependent on others. He put himself in a vulnerable position so that when he approaches you, you make the choice to love God or not love God. If God just showed up, right? Like if God showed up in all his glory, if God showed up here, that eliminates your choice. Because we read in the Bible that anytime anyone even gets close to being close to God, they fall over in terror. 
or Moses who glowed for days, like his face literally glowed for days. He had to wear a veil because people couldn't look at him because, in the Bible, like, because he was just near God. There's scenes in the Bible where God, the, people don't get to see God, but they get to see where God just was. And it changes them forever. If God showed up in all of his glory and all of his power, that eliminates your choice. That eliminates any faith. But God showing up vulnerable actually creates the opportunity for you to love God. Because God didn't come, Jesus didn't come to dominate you, to own you, to rule over you like an earthly king does. Jesus came to have a relationship with you. Jesus came to serve you. And so there's this story of Mary giving birth and Joseph there in a barn or in a garage and Jesus being laid in a manger. But there's this story behind that story where Mary had been told things and Joseph had been told things and the shepherds had been told things. And it all comes together for Mary in that moment. It all comes together where she starts to realize history will never be the same. My own life will never be the same. My encounter with Jesus is completely a life-changing, life-altering event. And some of you are here because you're celebrating, because you follow Jesus and the birth of Jesus is an exciting moment in the church's calendar every year. Others of you, maybe this is new to you, or it's your first kind of time hearing about that Jesus actually came to have a relationship with you, not to be your boss, but to be your Savior, to be the one who saved you from the power that sin has over you. Some of you might be here because you were dragged here, or it would be awkward to be the only one who stayed home while your whole family came. I'm glad you're here. I really am. Because I think a lot of us have this experience of what church is or what God is or what Jesus is. And I think when Jesus enters the world as a baby that you can hold in your hands, everything changes. When Jesus enters the world in the most vulnerable way that Jesus could come up with, everything changes. And so when you are faced with God being vulnerable, you have to answer that question. You can answer it by ignoring it. And the night that Jesus was born, there was a lot of people that didn't know what was going on and ignored it when Jesus was walking this earth. There were a lot of people that ignored it. And today, there's a lot of people that ignore it. You can respond to it with a rejection. Not, like, not apathy, but an outright rejection. Maybe you have been there, done that, and you don't want any more of that. But you've made a choice. And then there's others who have chosen to put their faith and their trust in Jesus to believe that a God who enters the world vulnerably enters the world with a motivation of love, enters the world with a desire to have relationship with us, enters the world quietly, in a garage, in an out-of-the-way town, where the only people who actually notice are some shepherds who live out of town and come down into town and then go around telling everyone, hey, the Messiah has been born over here, and these dummies made them stay in the garage. <laughs> Christmas brings Jesus in front of us. It makes us slow down and pause and reflect on what we do 
with the God of the universe who's decided to come so that you can experience life, so that you can experience freedom, so that you can experience what it is to have a relationship with the God of the universe. And all the hustle and the bustle and today, you know, when you got up this morning and started your shopping, (laughs) there is this moment that happens and it might be right now, it might be later tonight when your kids go to bed or your house is quiet, where you actually sit there and you can just experience the goodness of life. You can just experience the joy of the relationships that you have. And you can kind of take all of that badness of 2016, everything that, that was you know, bad in a funny way, but a lot of us have suffered personal loss and personal tragedy, and you can kind of put that behind you for a second and say, yes, but Jesus was born. Yes, but God entered the world. Yeah, this has been a rough year, but God is with us. God being with us changes your life Because when you look at 2016, when you look at 2017, God can be with you. You'll experience some really, really high moments in 2017, and God will be there. And you'll experience some really, really low moments in 2016, and God will be there. And how you experience those highs and lows will completely change based on what I just mentioned about what you do with the baby in the manger. If you reject God, if you ignore God, then your highs and lows will be lonely. Your highs and lows will be alone. And you'll be maybe doing it on your own strength or something like that. But if you're in some kind of power struggle with God, if you're in some kind of competition where you're in charge and you're stronger than God and you don't need God, God enters the world as a baby. Not as a powerful, dominant force that's going to win in a fight against you, but as a baby. And so for all of your power and all of your frustration, Jesus enters vulnerably to have a conversation about a love relationship that you can have with your God. I want to pray together tonight. And some of you who've never experienced or never thought about God, I want to encourage you to to really actually think about this, to really actually think about what is the role of Jesus in your life. Because Jesus is a reality of the universe. And you can do life however you want to do life. But the Bible teaches, actually Jesus himself taught, that he has come that you may have life to the full. And life to the full is life with God, life with Jesus. And so it's an opportunity. It's not a mandate. It's not a guilt trip. It really is an opportunity. And so I'm going to pray, and if you want, while I'm praying, you can ignore the things I'm saying and just talk to God on your own. That's totally kosher. And you can just have that conversation with God that he would save you, that he would free you, that he would be your Lord, that he would save you from your sin and turn you away from the power of sin. And if you pray that way tonight, You can start a life that is in relationship with God. And maybe it's the first time. Maybe you've prayed that a long time ago and 
and it's kind of a time in this time of year with a new beginning where you're like, maybe I need a fresh start. And you can do those things. And Jesus can enter the world and Jesus can enter your life and nothing ever has to be the same again. Let me pray for us, all right? Our God, Jesus, who we call Emmanuel because you have entered the world and joined with us. You lived among us in a human body. We thank you for leaving heaven and entering earth. We thank you for being with us. We thank you for living a perfect life among us. You are the author and the perfecter of what it is to have faith in God. And we thank you for entering in a way that asks a question of us, that looks at our own hearts and gives us the opportunity to have full life or to reject you. And I pray in this moment, all across this room, that you would lead people, God, to turn towards you, that you would lead people to know you and invite people into the fullness of life, into the fullness of what Christmas really is, into the fullness of the vulnerable God lying in a manger. By your name, by your grace, by your life, we pray. Amen.